So it is the beginning of Lent, and I'm wondering how many of you have already been asked the question or have asked someone else the question, what are you giving up for Lent? By a show of hands. Anyone? Anyone ask that question already? All right. A few of you. Uh, I've shared this before, I think maybe at one point or another, but when I was growing up, my family um, gave up watching TV for Lent, and as a kid, I thought it was the worst thing ever. I mean, really, like blatant child abuse, in my opinion, for me and my siblings. We could not believe my parents did this to us. How dare they? And now as I'm a little older, I kind of wonder if maybe my parents had it right. Please do not tell them I said that. I will never live it down. When we turned off the television during those six weeks, what happened? We read more. We talked to each other more. We played games, we went outside. Turns out it ended up being really good for us. Who knew? Today is a day that begins our Lent season, the 40 days leading towards Holy Week and Easter, and it begins with this cross on our heads out of ash and the reminder that we are dust. It's a darker, sort of somber, reflective season in the church. It is a season, as Pastor Chad said, of repentance. Now, the Greek word that we translate as repentance, it's one of my favorite Greek words, I know, nerdy thing, but one of my favorite Greek words, which is metanoia. It means to turn around. So the purpose of this reflective time in Lent, in this season of repentance, is to see the ways in which our lives are not focused on God or on the way of the kingdom of God and turn it around. Sometimes that means we turn towards God, but that also means sometimes we turn away from something else. So then the question becomes, in this time where we are being reflective, what is in your way? What is the thing that distracts you? Or turns your focus to something other than God. See, we're so used to giving something up for Lent that we don't always think about why we are doing this. And if we're honest, it can end up feeling like kind of a contest to see who's giving up the harder thing. Hello, television. And then we really start to think if it means we're giving up the harder thing, then we're obviously more holy, right? Like the harder the thing you're giving up, the holier you are, right? So, I mean... Be real. If you're giving up caffeine, you're like the holiest. (laughs) The gospel reading for tonight is a moment in which Jesus speaks against this very thing. You see, there were, and some might argue there still are, traditionally three things that you could do, it was believed you could do, to turn back to God, to help you turn towards God again, to help you metanoia, repent. And those three things were give, pray, and fast. And Jesus reminds us tonight of the dangers of each of these becoming kind of a status symbol, missing out on the purpose of doing them in the first place. Why are you doing these things? Why are you fasting or praying or giving? Are those bringing you closer to God? So Jesus calls those around him out on the habits they've developed in each of these areas. 
So the first one, give. When you give, don't blow a trumpet so everybody knows it. I kind of wonder, what would this look like? To give without credit. I mean, how many of you have always wanted to be that anonymous donor, right? To give money or help without expecting a single thing in return. No award, no recognition, no grade, not even a tax write-off. When you pray, don't do it loudly where everyone can see you so they see how holy you are. And I wonder, what does it look like to really spend time in prayer? Who do you most often pray for? What would it be like to truly pray for someone else and not tell them? Or to pray not for your own needs and the things you hope God gives to you, but maybe for the health and safety and well-being of people you don't like or that you disagree with? When you give something up, don't put on a sad face so that people ask you what's wrong. I know you know what I'm talking about. We all had that friend who like mopes in, right? Just so you can say, oh, what's wrong? And then they can let you know all the things that are wrong, right? You know what I'm talking about. This is the one we fall into the most. What are you giving up for Lent? How hard are you doing this thing? Don't fast and tell everyone what you're doing. Don't make it a holiness contest. Don't do it to lose that last five pounds. Instead, what would it look like to fast from the things that really hurt you and others? What might it look like to give up complaining, gossiping, jealousy? What would it look like to set down the phone and turn off the TV To stop numbing with alcohol or mindless scrolling or a constant flood of news and information. What might it look like to fast from those things? Jesus' words are challenging and they somehow, somehow feel more relevant today than ever. Lent is about this time for us to be reflective and to think about how we might metanoia, turn back. Turn around. It's about taking these 40 days and trying to remove the things that turn us away from God, removing distractions and roadblocks, not for some faith contest or holiness points, so that instead we can reconnect to God through prayer and giving and fasting. And when we reconnect to God, truly we connect to each other. We better take care of each other and those in need. And we tend to rediscover what God is doing in the world and in our lives. And that begins here tonight, these 40 days, with this really awkward, uncomfortable moment. Remember your dust, and to dust you shall return. Way back in November, which truly feels like a decade ago at this point, we celebrated All Saints Sunday. It's the Sunday where we remember and name those who have died, particularly in the past year. 
It is the day we make space to remember. And Ash Wednesday has a sort of similar rhythm to me. It is also a day where we make space, but not for remembering those who have died before, but for acknowledging the reality of our own death. And that is super not fun, and we'd rather not do it. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I know I have shared this before as well on an Ash Wednesday, but it bears repeating When I was three, I was in Catholic church. My mom brought me up for ashes, and it was silent in the Catholic church. They didn't play music underneath that part, and it was just quiet. And I shouted out, but I don't want to be ash. (laughs) And I feel like all of us have that little part in in us when we get that cross on our forehead that says we're dust, that says somewhere in us, oh, I do not want to remember that I am dust. I do not want to remember that I'm going to die. Local Lutheran pastor Jody Hogue. Buddy, she's over there. She's over there. There you go. We have a kid looking for a mom. There we go. We got it. We got it. We got it. We're good. We're good. I can't watch that happen and not say something. <laughs> we got it. Uh... Local Lutheran pastor Jody Hogue says of death, it is the great leveler. The great leveler. Every single Academy Award winner, every refugee, every middle school student, every city bus driver, every squishy baby, every glorious queer, every elder at Shalom Home, you, me, we will all die. And tonight we say that out loud. She continues, do you know why people come out in droves to have a pastor put ashes on their heads? Because we collectively stop pretending and say something true, and it's a relief. It gives us a break from all the running from death, and it actually allows us to live life, death, life, repeat. Life is fragile. Don't we know it? Some of us know this more acutely than others. But we pretend it's not happening. We pretend we're invincible or immortal. We ignore how fragile life is because it's scary. I don't want to be dust. And yet, as author Kate Bowler says, on this night, our mortality is literally rubbed in our faces. But instead of this making us uncomfortable or scared or anxious, which I think it kind of does, I wonder if instead we could see it as maybe a powerful act of rebellion. We look death in the face on this day. Ash crosses on foreheads all around us make it hard to ignore. And we look at that reminder of our own death and we get to say, yeah, Yes, yes, we are going to die. But death does not win. And that is what this night is about. In his letter to the Romans, Paul says, If we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We say this verse at funerals. 
And it's important that we say it again tonight. We are dust. We will be dust again. But God breathes life into dust once and God will do it again. Yes, this body will die, but death does not win. It doesn't. And Lent is a season in the church that is bookended by this reminder. On Ash Wednesday, we remember our death. And in Holy Week, we remember Christ's death. And then on Easter, we all rise. We celebrate new life. You can't have new life without death first. So yes, on this uncomfortable, weird, strange ritual that we do, we are reminded that we die. But we rise. We all rise. Amen.